just money taken in from ad, like how much advertisers paid Google to advertise on Google in the last six months? $500 million. Times 10 times 10. Welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Michael Lockie, and we're going to be short one of our usual contributors today, but today it'll be myself with Kareem Baruke. Hello, everybody. We're short, like you- we're short one Brent. <laughs> we are short. I, feel, I feel like our usual listeners had a big sweat there, and uh, quite a few of them are breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief. But hey, it's me and Kareem. We're going to do uh. this. We're, <laughs> we're going to handle this without Brent today. Uh, and, and for those of you that are unfamiliar with the Friday Flagship, it's our weekly discussion where we cover all the news and nonsense in the crypto space. Kareem. You ready, buddy? Yeah, I'm I'm ready. Let's go. We're going to miss Brent. He's out in D.C. partying and doing all kinds of stuff. And well, he's also seeing family. But anyway, we miss him. However, in honor of Brent not being here, I have allowed my dogs to hang out in the room while I record, which I normally don't do. Just to have an extra presence in the room, Mike, I know. It's, it's a special uh Oh, Buster's in the room as well. Pro- Pro, pro puppy edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. Yeah. So m- minus one Brent plus three cute puppies. I mean, that's not hard to see. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome, listeners. <laughs> you're welcome. All right. So, Kareem, get us started. What is this Austria situation with Ethereum? Yeah, it's just a cool development from the Austrian Central Bank or the Austrian government. Well, so there's a bank called the OE. KB, and they're going to issue a new set of government bonds, but what they want to do is about $1.3 billion, or up to $1.3 billion of those bonds, they want to use the Ethereum blockchain to basically record the transaction in an immutable um, way that creates, you know, some kind of everything that we always talk about with the blockchain, you know, right? Trustlessness, all that kind of stuff. Just to be clear, though... That doesn't mean that they're selling the assets or pricing the assets in Ethereum or anything like that. It's just that the Ethereum blockchain is being used as somewhere where they can record information in an immutable way. So what I find super interesting about that is that this is way more of a use case than it is like a financial story, in my opinion. Like the fact that this is a real world government that is tying something because they're they're viewing this blockchain as immutable and as something that can verify you know systems and government and that's something we've been preaching for a long time that's that's extremely interesting and it's also worth thinking about that these are government bonds right so you're looking at long horizon uh uh, maturing dates so in most of these the earliest that they're going to be able to be claimed is 2023, some of them all the way up to 2028. So right off the bat, it gives you an idea that, okay, this isn't a company that's doing a short-term interaction with a blockchain because they think it's going to boost sales this quarter. No, it's a government that's guaranteeing bonds that are going to be around for a decade and saying in order to make sure that they're immutable and that the transacting, all the information regarding the transaction is open, transparent, and accessible, they're going to use the Ethereum blockchain, something that they clearly view as going to be in the picture uh, when this bond mature, right? So it's cool. It shows the long-term horizon and the adoption and all that kind of thing. All right. So no, no, I, I, got it, I got it. 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 
It's not tricky. You're with Kareem. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> All right. But anyway, enough of Austria. Mike, if you don't mind, I'm actually going to steal your hosting powers, and I'm going to transition to our reporter on the field, Michael Lockie. Now, Mike, I've heard rumors of something going on with Bitcoin Core and a hack. And actually, from what I hear, Bitcoin's broken. So tell us about it. I mean, depending on who you ask, that might be somewhat accurate. <laughs> and... Uh, I want to I want to enter this conversation as saying I am very unqualified to have this conversation, but I did some research because the topic was interesting, and I I think this story is going to be a developing story that we may cover for several flagships going forward. So interesting. What happened is that uh, Bitcoin has a test net, and and that like I guess makes sense to me. It didn't really seem intuitive, but the the community has a test net that they. Um, they keep for bug development and testing. Yeah. And as a quick side note, Mike, I would say most cryptocurrencies, especially the big ones, all of them do have a test net. Right. And I guess it, I guess logically it made sense to me that there was a test net that leads to a main net, but that test net doesn't necessarily need to go away. The test net can be Correct. useful indefinitely. So this bug was discovered on the test net. So. For, for purposes of what this means, it's like this is a very real bug that ca- that could have been exploited. Now, the mining rates on the test net are obviously significantly easier. They just they just tone it down. They say that a household computer has enough mining power to solve algorithms on the test net. So that was just something. Oh wow! You're right. That- so they, they dumb it down however you want to word that. No, there's just – there's probably a lot less activity, right? Like a lot of people right. are putting their resources towards mining real Bitcoin. But for the Bitcoin testnet, probably nobody is really involved unless they are developers and stuff like that. Right. So what the, the bug that was discovered was actually a double spend bug. And obviously double spend means that you you have funds in one wallet. You have the ability to send them to a different place and – Basically, you'll have – you can spend the money twice. Right. You can move the funds from the wallet and then still have the funds in the original account or some combination of, of a system along those lines. So, couple, like I guess you know, it had been a little while since we'd gone into Bitcoin. So, there's a couple things that I, w- I needed refreshing on. I, I learned a little bit about their node system. I had gotten a little refresher course. Now, the nodes are basically just their wallets. Um, a lot of them have ports that can be opened and then that can interact with this test net. There's, there's many factors that were going on. So the nodes need to be updated on a regular basis, which basically, you know, wallets can sit stagnant for long periods of time and sit dormant. You know, I know how complicated it is. And when I have many crypto wallets all over the place, making sure that they're up to date, if I have anything proof of stake that I'm paying attention to it, you know, I have a Litecoin wallet on my desktop that I don't update very often, but you know, these are what, these are some of the things that we go through by owning crypto. So the old wallets were susceptible to this. If they hadn't updated to a certain point, uh, the version was 0.16.0. One of the things that I found extremely interesting was that the nodes that were not up to date were able to recognize that, that there was a problem. Now, they weren't able to, they were, they recognized that there was an invalid chain and there was a side, there was basically a, a side chain that was created. They recognized that the chain was invalid, but it did recognize that the proof of work was actually authentic. 
So the old nodes were able to recognize that the proof of work was real, but the chain was off. So what they did is they went into safe mode and they just shut themselves off and they needed to be rebooted and restarted in order to get back on the network. So it's believed that this exploit is is no longer that valid on the actual main Bitcoin network. Um, as of this morning, they said that uh, 56% of the nodes were properly updated. Um, you know, there, I'm sure there's some details that I missed, but this goes to show like how complicated this situation really is when the oldest blockchain is finding major bugs still after 10 years. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it would be yeah, it would be interesting to know, like you said, all of the specific details and how how those how it would translate to the mainnet, how relevant it is, how much proof of work there's involved and stuff like that. But especially with this news breaking out, I think we'll, we're going to find out, right? Because knowledgeable people, both with good and bad intentions uh, that stumble upon this are going to be able to examine this further, put a lot more pressure on this. And uh, like you said, it's something that could either be a little blip or something that could develop for weeks. Right. And a really large issue with this is that anytime you find a, a, a problem in the Bitcoin code, well, guess what? There's hundreds of Bitcoin forks out there and many major projects use the Bitcoin core code. So now every single one of those the projects basically have to say, okay, what was this problem? How does it apply to us? What does it mean? How do we fix it? What was the solution? You know, and then now you're adding solutions, you're adding updates, you're, and then obviously updates can come with potential flaws. Of course, of course. You know, and it, it's a never ending process. No, definitely. Like, like I said, the one relevant factor would be though to see. Oh, so again, we're going to preface this by saying Mike and myself uh, don't have a development background or a computer science background. And so we're not really commenting on this from an educated uh, standpoint from the field. But from what I've seen uh, from afar, it seems like sometimes you have bugs that like, yeah, technically it's possible, but really only like in a testnet and under these really, really, really specific conditions. So it's like, it has to be addressed, but they almost have no real world application. And then you have some bugs that are not that, like you said, they are, uh, they could be reflective of a much bigger crack in the system. So I'm very hesitant to, I don't, I, I just don't even know exactly how I feel about this yet without more information. Cause it seems like one of those things that could be not relevant for the real live net of the Bitcoin code or something that could like you be a major threat. And that's why I kind of went into this saying, I'm really not sure how I feel about this. And I expect this to kind of become a developing story because, yes, I, I did sit down and take a look around. I was digging through Reddit and I found some things. Yeah, that's great. But obviously, I'm not qualified. You know, I, I got, you know, I looked and I looked at the block. It was interesting, but there, you know, there's not a whole lot that I was able to do with that. So, you know, hopefully some people are going to take this and, and just see, we'll see where it goes. Hopefully it's something that's solvable. All right, so let's move on a little bit here. Uh, you went and did a little research on the way Google is doing their ads for cryptocurrency. What did what did you kind of find? This is obviously super relevant to us. Yeah, yeah, but let me. Okay, I just want to be fair with the framing. I stumbled okay. upon an article. I didn't really like go research it, right? <laughs> but there is an article that broke that says Google will be ending their cryptocurrency ban uh, on ads. 
but only in specific cases. So the ads are only going to run in Japan and the US. So you can buy an ad from anywhere in the world, but they're only going to run in the US and Japan. They're going to start allowing ads in October. I think that they're going to allow, for example, major exchanges. So you may see some Coinbase, Kraken, Gemini ads, that kind of thing. Um, Some of the original restrictions, which were implemented in March, are still in place. So since the idea behind the restrictions, according to Google, was to protect consumers specifically from ICOs, those are still banned, Um, wallets weren't allowed to advertise, those are still banned. Again, that kind of makes sense because... Illegitimate wallets are going to have more of an incentive to advertise than legitimate wallets. Legitimate wallets are just yeah, kind of be yeah, free like, open source code mostly. For sure, yeah. Any anything with wallets, I'm glad that they're going to. Yeah, keep they the shouldn't be able to that. advertise. Like, like and trading advice too. Like all these, anything that you know these the people fall into that we view as like people that we created this podcast to try to educate. Like, yeah, I want to protect those people too. Yeah, no, no, no definitely, definitely, and it. I mentioned the specific things too because, you know, sometimes when these corporations are making big sweeping decisions like this, like, okay, we're not going to allow cryptocurrency ads or we are for these groups, not these groups. Um, It's complicated because sometimes it feels, of course, that especially when you're painting with a broad brush, you're going to catch a a few things in between. Like there's probably definitely legitimate ICOs that in theory should be allowed to advertise. There's probably very legitimate, uh, maybe great wallets that great wallet businesses that could in theory want to advertise. But you can definitely see that in these particular sectors, the vast majority of the situations were kind of scammy. So I'm less critical of Google for, um, you know, whatever. They 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 banned for a minute. They saw that people were getting scammed a lot. And they're slowly rolling out the plan. And uh, it, it it's a reminder, too, that this does hurt their bottom line. So this is a sacrifice in a way that Google makes because good percentage of the revenue comes from advertisement. But Mike, I didn't put it in the outline because I was hoping Brent could be here too so we could play a game. But you're going to play a game by yourself. It's called Try to Guess. Try to Guess what percentage of Google's revenue came from advertisement. I'll I'll, I'll make you not go the full 30 seconds. Uh... I'm going to say 65%, Alex. That was – it's uh, – if you flip it around and add three, I'm just kidding. It's 86%. It's pretty high. So 86% of their revenue comes from advertising, and this is a advertisement reduction. Last question, Mike. Again, I know it's a total guess, but how much money in advertisement dollars do you think Google took in in the first six months of 2018, like, half a I would year. Have the foggiest idea. I would you. By definition, do you want me to revenue, narrow it down for you? Revenue is is what type of income? Just, it's just like, like how much like their revenue from advertising, right? Just money taken in from ad, like how much advertisers paid Google to advertise on Google in the last six months? Five hundred million dollars times ten times. 10, 58 billion. 58 billion? No, 54 billion. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, that is going to lead me to my conclusion here. Breaking news at Crypto Basic. Google makes a a lot of money. 10 
billion a month in incoming ad money. Yeah, Google's kind of a big deal. If you didn't know, now you know. Um, that's insanity, right? That's a lot I of money. I felt so ridiculous saying $500 million too. I just like... <laughs> I just felt that was so absurd, but you're I got one like, percent uh, of the answer. You're like Doctor Evil in a different time, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, you know what? I want one million dollars." <laughs> and they're like, "Uh, okay, <laughs> okay." <laughs> <laughs> All right, but you may have known that Google was a profitable company if you follow the news. But Americans are increasingly more frustrated with the news. Some even say a majority of Americans think that the media is biased. Mike, what can you tell us about this story? Yeah, uh, this I'm going to quickly plug our Tuesday at 11 a.m. Uh, Discord chat that we do in the R Cryptocurrency Discord server every week, Tuesday at 11 a.m. This, this article came up and it was something that I found pretty interesting. I wanted to share it with them and uh, we wanted to also share it with the listeners. Um, it basically said that 62% of Americans viewed the media as biased. I honestly thought that number was pretty low. I if I feel like I'm, and I know that my circles are different than what represents America, but I I feel like that number should be much higher. But anywho, it started discussing, you know, kind of like what the problems are and and this kind of is relevant to us because we're trying to be a media outlet in a in a niche sector. Um, and it basically that the, the biggest media companies are owned by billionaires and those billionaires own their own businesses and they own their own interests and they trade favors for people in large levels. And that's the way that the, you know, remember we discussed the Sinclair, uh, broadcasting, broadcasting situation with, uh, the repeated, um, mirrored images. And yeah, that stuff is very real. It's like very, very, very real. Um, the article went on to say that, you know, something that's very, that we're part of the problem here is that, uh, basically beginners are trying to pose as ex- experts. And that's why we have to be so careful to say, like, we're not experts. We are idiots. We are just doing, we're sharing our research with you guys because, you know, the, the one of the large problems is that people are listening to podcasts or YouTube and thinking that these people are experts. Uh, I think we even brought up this is kind of where like flat earthers are coming from, um, vaccine. Well, specifically. Anti-vax. Like- yeah, specifically, it's the idea that, you know, I remember you mentioned in part the availability of uh, new media makes it so that people have an outlet away from the mainstream media, which they consider to be biased. And in my opinion, they're right that it is biased. But then it also creates all of these little bubbles where you can create an information bubble around yourself. So if you want to believe that the earth is flat, then you can find three different YouTube channels, two podcasters, four bloggers, quote unquote, scientific articles, you know, all this stuff, blogs, Reddit posts, forums. So then you could really become part of that world. Um, And I do agree with you, Mike, that like the, you know, there's so much new media that's pretending to be experts and they definitely shouldn't. But there is another upside to this new media, which is that it can have different incentive structures. So one of the reasons why, you know, we feel that a lot of topics, but cryptocurrency being one of them doesn't get treated in the mainstream media is because they have multiple interests associated with multiple businesses. And sometimes the bigger interest of the corporation or the company interferes with the reporting. So just as a random example, 
when the Trans-Pacific Partnership was being discussed, which was kind of opposed by most people on the left and on the right, it wasn't discussed in most major news agencies because most news media is owned by bigger companies that had a lot to gain from that agreement. So people are right that there's bias in the mainstream. So they need to be careful now that anybody can create a show or a YouTube channel or whatever, not to just assume anybody's an expert. But also... um, I do think that they're right about the media being biased, and I am glad that there's an outlet, uh, that there's another opportunity for groups with different incentives like us, where our only incentive is the relationship with the audience. If the audience trusts us and like us, then we grow. If they don't, we don't. And then, like, you just kind of keep it clear, you know? what The bigger you get, the more complicated those things get. Once you're a corporation the size of... I mean, look, I have, I have a chart here. Like, General Electric owns Comcast, NBC, Universal... News Corp owns Fox, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post. Disney owns ABC, ESPN, Pixar, Miramax, Marvel. Uh, Time Warner owns CNN, HBO, Time, Warner Bros. That like six companies own ninety percent of the U.S. media. That that includes what we read, what we watch, and what we listen to. So it's not just video. Like you look at all the magazines, all the newspapers, all the TV shows, everything like that. is owned by six companies, GE, News Corp, Disney, Viacom, Time Warner, and CBS. Yeah. And that's, you know, part of the incentive mechanism you were referring to earlier, you know, that advertisers now have to, you know, use really clickbaity titles because they're really desperate for your attention. And there's a lot of this like shift in what media is becoming over the past like 50 years is changing so drastically. And some people are falling behind. Some people are evolving in a way that's going to cause them to die out. And other people are, you know, and then, you know, this is a big reminder of like the, the Facebook and Cambridge Analytica scandal that we've discussed here on the show several times. Like this, these, you know, centralized powers with great ability to manipulate through a media perspective can be really detrimental and can be really powerful. And, you know, I just want things to be handled in a responsible manner. You know, hopefully we're trying to give a cryptocurrency version of that. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have no idea what this is about, but you start this story <laughs> out with the Twitter handle. So I just dive yeah, yeah. in. So, uh, so somebody sent me a, a Twitter post from Luke Martin, um, at Venture Coinist. Um, he has over 200, he has about 200,000 followers. He's a pretty respectable guy. I've, I've listened to his material. He's just a real solid, uh, just crypto, you know, kind of individual. And he says, uh, it was kind of a, it was a, it was a string post. It was like five or six posts in a row, but it started off with, it's fun to watch markets reacting to what's happening on livecoin.net. Um, on that exchange, there was a bug that was causing the ERC 20 withdrawals to double. Now, this, the reason why I like this story is because this just goes to show you, you know, we discussed a random bug in Bitcoin earlier. Now, an exchange that I've never even heard of. I guess has enough volume to exist, but like, here's something that this exchange couldn't have predicted and the, the market can't really predict. So when they were withdrawing the ERC 20 tokens, they were receiving double the amount. Um, and basically what that would do is it allowed traders to buy, withdraw, get double the amount, sell it somewhere else, redeposit double, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat. Since it was only with the ERC 20 tokens, um, the, uh, 
the Kyber Network and Bat were the two biggest gainers on that exchange. Um, yesterday they, they rose 60% and 46% because of this. Um, this exchange, however, just doesn't have a ton of volume. It, I've, I've looked into a lot of the smaller exchanges before and you see this pretty often. There's a lot of trading pairs and just not a lot of liquidity. So most of the ERC20 tokens couldn't really be taken advantage of that much because they just weren't enough buyers and sellers. There weren't enough market makers. Um, there was one coin in particular that only trades on this exchange. And it was super interesting. I just happened to get asked about this coin by my buddy Steve in a DM. And uh, it's a shitcoin dig. We talked about it, whatever. But this coin... Uh, was it, this is the only place that it's traded, so it, it has a lot more trading volume than other tokens. And you know they, you know now this particular token has a huge issue with you know potentially extra coins and all this double spend. Uh, the exchange is taking full responsibility for this situation. Um, they put out a a an announcement that said that it affected about three percent of ERC twenty tokens that they were in custody of and it ended up costing them about one percent total, which obviously sucks, but they're just saying, hey, we we screwed up, we're taking advantage of this or we're taking control of this. And you know, that's great and dandy, but like it it was limited to a certain amount. Like what if this was catastrophic? What if this was nuclear? Like these are real situations that we have to face when we are using tiny exchanges. And, you know, we harp all the time. Don't keep any coins on exchanges unless you're fine waking up and just watching them vanish. Yeah. Uh, agreed. I mean, I am glad the exchange took accountability here though. Oh, and you have another here update from MetaMask. Was this, this looks pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I use MetaMask. Brent uh, got got me hooked on it um, pretty early on. What it is, it's a Chrome browser extension that's an ERC20 wallet. It's an Ethereum wallet. So I've used that pretty regularly. And now um, the Ledger hardware wallet will interact with that and integrate with it. So you can have the convenience of a hot storage wallet like MetaMask at and add the security of the cold storage wallet in your Trezor. Well, I'm, excuse me. They they introduced the treasure about a month ago. They also added the ledger recently. So, you know, it was a simple update, but theoretically, it should be as safe as you can keep your private keys. Oh, yeah, that's awesome for sure. Uh, I uh, I've used something similar with uh, Neo, where I have my Neo on my ledger, but I can access it using the Neon Wallet interface online. You know, where you could just use your own key or whatever, or you could plug in the ledger and go through all the steps it's pretty effective pretty safe I, I, it's good the the user experience between metamask and neon which i've used both is metamask is is very very uh user friendly and um when's the last time you I, used neon a month ago oh two months ago maybe um i found it I don't pretty know. easy I, well i guess like I feel, I guess that, that might be a stretch for me to say it's much better. I just, I just feel like MetaMask, uh, is, is really, really good, I guess. I'll just, I'll leave oh, yeah, it. Yeah, no, that. no, I get what you're saying. I, I don't, I don't, I, I have no reason to shit on the Neon Wallet. Right, right. I was going to say the Neon Wallet, I'm pretty satisfied with it because it's, yeah, it's no, like, it's, it's, it's very simple. Fine. I have just, it's simple, right? Like, that's all you want. Like, send, yeah. receive, here's my stuff. Okay, cool. It shows you the, the gas that's accumulating. I like it. It's cool. Um, yeah. Why don't we move on to crypto around the world? So 
So uh, we covered a few stories of a couple different countries here. Where do you want to start? Oh, well, it's kind of all in unison. It's all one big clump because none of these are major stories. This is more like a collection of mini little posts that um, got me excited about the way that crypto is developing, especially during this bear market where things are like the speculative side of it is really not hitting. People aren't asking you about crypto. Everybody's not super excited. You know, channels aren't blowing up about it. So everything's kind of quieted down. And when we were preparing for our, our cryptocurrency on Tuesday, and then I saw some other ones, there are all these posts from different parts of the world that show tiny little levels or gradual levels of adoption. So first, there's a post from Turkey, right, where there's a mall, they're selling all kinds of cryptocurrencies. It's right there in the mall, you have a stand where you could buy all kinds of cryptocurrencies. Um, they're selling ledgers. It's like, and it looks like a pretty nice place. And they're, one of the things that people were pointing out is in a country like Turkey, for example, where you see the currency depreciating, even buying something like Tether is beneficial because it could be so much cheaper than actually trying to exchange your currency into dollars. Right. And that just brings up an interesting point. Like We are very anti-Tether when compared to our traditional options for fiat, for other cryptos. Like, yeah, like there's plenty of cases that the risk reward for owning the Tether would probably be less than other situations. Right. Exactly, Mike. I, I agree with that. Um, if it's, it's, it's not our preferred method, but it has its use cases and its value. And that value can change, obviously, depending on the situation of the person that's thinking about acquiring it. Uh, so anyway, there's another post from Argentina. It, this one was in the butcher shop. Uh, you know, we'll put the links there so you guys can go look at them. They showed the pictures. Oh, this one was a. Um, uh, it was an Argentinian making very similar cases about how the currency is depreciating to the point where now the butcher shop can benefit from just taking in cryptocurrency. So they even offer discounts if you buy in cryptocurrency. And then, of course, Venezuela, where we've shown before small examples of adoption. And this was another example, a 19-year-old kid who's sharing a, um, a well, let me see. It was a shop. I don't remember what kind of shop it was. I want to say it's like a general shop. But this guy uh, was basically setting it up. Um, not only was he taking crypto, and given discounts, but he's providing other Venezuelans with free Wi-Fi so that they can come over there and set up wallets so that they can start using Bitcoin. So he's like trying to, you know, start inc um, creating a little Bitcoin economy right there. Uh, you, you just start seeing these little pockets. And then somebody from, there's a British post, like a little meme. It's just something silly, right? Nothing major, but it's a picture of Theresa May. And it's like, oh, here are the four Bs. Buy Bitcoin before Brexit. But again, it clues you in another. Okay, so people from all over the world are really are starting to look at Bitcoin as an opportunity to like anytime. Oh, maybe my country's uh, currency is depreciating. Maybe we're entering unstable political climate. Maybe blah, blah, blah. Well, now you have this like central source that's really gaining steam. I really believe it's gaining steam. None of these were major stories, but you just start. I don't know. It really felt like the seeds of adoption, you know, like the real first baby steps. I think what we're going to look back at at last winter, I think we're going to look at it as like the the awakening. I think that was the time that everybody's attention was drawn to it. I think it was the the first time that my 
waves of the circles that I'm in all were aware of it. You know, the, I am now known as the Bitcoin guy or the crypto guy. And like, you know, these things just kind of happened. And there was a lot of speculators. There's a lot of people that were like, let's gamble. Let's do it. People love to gamble. That's what we make base our lives off of. And yeah, like slowly but surely, a lot of those speculators are like, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd rather not continue to lose every day. And, you know, it's a slow trickle out. And I think that we've lost a lot of those speculators. They're coming right back, though. I believe it. <laughs> I mean, we, we are partially speculators, too, right? Right. But, yeah, for sure. So, yes, they're going to be there. They're not going to be there. They're going to come in and out. But I guess that what this really shows us is that it's we can't depend on speculation to to. For sure, yeah. Drive I, these my, my the point that I was really trying to make there was like I believe that the the adoption is coming. Like the the need is gonna the 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 awareness exists. Yeah. So now when these problems start getting fixed, there's gonna be less people that are be like, "What's Bitcoin?" But then they're like, "Oh, what is that Bitcoin thing doing now?" And like, "Oh, that's interesting." And and eventually it may infiltrate their business or their lives, and maybe not. That's fine. But I just think that we're now climbing up the mountain like we've, we've already gotten to the place where it's it's becoming known it's 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 a commodity that exists now it's yeah. futures bread i think and and it's a commodity with unique properties and i know this is going to be kind of obvious for us but i had never thought about this specific application check out this tweet somebody shared quote a friend who escaped to venezuela tells me about government officials in the caracas airport confiscating gold from the families that are leaving. These families risk their life saving in their luggage and the Chavistas take advantage. And then he says that his friend told them, but they can't confiscate your Bitcoin. And it was just like, oh shit, of course. Of course. Like if you're literally in that situation where you know now even just trying to leave the country, you're literally going to get robbed. There is a way for you to transfer your assets in a way that they can't touch. They can't even know you have. That you could just wipe your hands clean, disappear hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of dollars from existence, go through that airport, land in another country, open a computer, and you have access to all that wealth immediately. That's really powerful. It really is. I mean, I, I've definitely thought about international travel quite a bit and even even domestic travel, man, like I, going to Vegas is a headache when yeah. you want to bring, you know, large sums of money like you just you you run uh, civil uh, forfeit asture, what we've talked about several times, like they don't mind if you have more than 10,000, you're considered a criminal. And I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree, Mike. So anyway, it wasn't a big story. It was just one little story, a bunch of little stories that say, uh, Shocker, cryptocurrency podcast is excited about cryptocurrency. <laughs> Always give me there, the breaking news. There hasn't been a whole lot to been excited about recently, but you know, I, I still keep seeing these little these little tidbits, these little pieces, and I'm starting to see more adoption, man. I, I I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> anyway, Mike, do you have any rants for us today? I know Brent's usually the rant master, but before we sign off, anything? I'm I'm probably cutting all my hair off. So okay. any of those, any of the seven fans that watch us on YouTube, uh, I might be losing my my luscious locks here pretty Look soon. Look at those so. luscious lo locks! Oh. Wow, Mike, your hair is long. See, like I survived this summer, but it's not long enough to where I want it to be. And I'm thinking about next summer, and I'm just like, well, I don't, you know, getting through the winter would be fine. But yeah, that's probably how I feel. I'll feel in a few months about my beard. I've been growing it for a while, and it's like, eh, eh, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> eh, we'll see. 
All right. That's I won't consider that an entertaining rant, but there you go. A little extra information for you guys because why not? Um, and then I do have one more question for you, Mike. Is there any parting words that you'd like to say to our missing in action colleague, Brent Philbin? He's right now in D.C. Uh, doing a protest. We're not going to get into what, but he's doing a protest, we believe. That's what he keeps telling everybody. So he, he left us. A, I'm just kidding. He's hanging with family. <laughs> but any parting words to Brent, to the fans, to the audience? Yeah, guys, you should uh, join our Discord server. You can find that in the show notes. You should like us on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. You should go on iTunes and subscribe or wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us an honest rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us a lot. And also remember, we are not financial advisors. We are just a couple of regular guys that are interested in crypto. And we're just here to share with you what we find. So hopefully that's good enough. Yeah. And, you know, we do not give financial advice. We are idiots. <laughs> Just a couple of guys talking crypto, and then, of course, Brent fighting for social justice in Washington. Peace out.